Hello and welcome to this, the 35th episode in this second series of the Rise Productions Irish Theatre Podcast. I am your host, the self-appointed cheerleader-in-chief of Irish Theatre, Angus Og McAnally, Artistic Director of Rise Productions, a freelance actor, more recently a director and a producer here at Rise. I am a 21-year veteran of the Irish theatre scene and a third-generation theatre maker. And as ever, we are coming to you live from our studios at the Irish Theatre Institute in the heart of Dublin's cultural quarter of Temple Bar and this second series is brought to you thanks to the very generous support of the Arts Council of Ireland. Now because of that support each week we are able to bring you these conversations absolutely free of charge. We have promised you that we won't ever charge you for this podcast but as we ask you each week do please go and support Irish theatre. Go and put your money where your mouth is and put your money into Irish theatre. The whole ethos behind this podcast is to support, promote and celebrate all that is great about Irish theatre. And as ever, the simplest way for you to do that, the most direct route, just go and buy yourself some tickets. And the great thing about this is you're not just doing a good deed to help Irish theatre keep ticking over by doing that. You get a great night out of the theatre out of it too. Everybody wins, guys. It's a beautiful, happy relationship. Go and buy yourself some tickets. Uh, get out there. Enjoy some Irish theatre. It's tricky at the moment with the weather the way it is. People are out enjoying the sunshine. Don't really want to be locked away in a dark room for a while. But treat yourself. Get a little break out of the sun and the heat. Treat yourself to a great show happening around the country somewhere. Who knows? You might just surprise yourself and have a wonderful evening. But look, maybe tickets are outside your reach this week or this month. And if that is the case, go on over to a crowdsourcing website like a Fundit.ie and Indiegogo. As we know, Fringe Festival time is coming up soon, so there's a whole heap of campaigns being run over on those crowdsourcing websites. Donations often start from as low as a fiver, and there are always great rewards in return for your support. So see if you can help a young fledgling company make their way to Dublin Fringe. And you know what? There are also a whole heap of ways you can support without even having to put your hand in your pocket. Go and tell people about this podcast, whether that's in person, over a pint or a cup of coffee, uh, or whether it's just sharing the link on Facebook or retweeting the link on Twitter. The more you can get the word out about this podcast, the more this podcast can get the word out about our great guests that we have each week. Keep the whole system ticking over. Keep the machine running. Get the word out about this podcast. Do please go and subscribe to the podcast over on iTunes. If you're an iTunes user, that's a huge help for us in terms of charts and algorithms and search results and all that stuff. But if you're not on iTunes, these episodes are, of course, streamable and available for direct download over at riseproductions.ie. Go back and listen to all our previous episodes, both in this second series and indeed the first series. Uh, Leave us a review on iTunes if you would. That's of massive assistance to us. Uh, But if a review might, you know, the minute that that's going to take is going to be too much out of your day, maybe just simply click to rate us on their five-star rating system. Very straightforward. Very easy. Not too much out of your day. You can, of course, follow us on Facebook. We are facebook.com forward slash Rise Productions Ireland. Or you can follow us on Twitter. We are at rise ireland and another busy week here at rise towers as we get ready to bring the good father back on the road and thankfully the road is a fairly short one it's the malahide road only into town from port marnock um really looking forward to getting the show into smock alley into the main space there um as i've said before it's a place we haven't played before with rise so it's lovely to get into a new venue um i mean at this stage with the kind of touring that we do there are very few venues left on the island of ireland that we haven't played yet um you know a standard tour for us is often 20 or 25 venues so we've we've covered a fair amount of this country uh, so getting into a brand new space and a space that I love as much as I do love the main space in Smock uh, is a real treat real kind of joy for me actually to be getting in there really looking forward to getting the show back up on its feet uh, and getting back in there and mixing it up it should be great fun and also it turns out we will have some uh, exciting announcements coming up very soon about Rise and the next uh, 
short to medium term, shall we say. Uh, all will be revealed in due course. I'm not trying to be particularly enigmatic or cryptic, but uh, I'm just not let's say anything yet. Um, but yeah, nice big announcements, actually. Exciting stuff. Exciting times ahead for Rise as we ramp up for future plans, but all will be revealed in good time. And so that brings us to our guest this week. And this is a special one. Um, it's Katrina Ennis, who is one of the most prolific actresses knocking around at the moment, uh, and someone who is really kind of beloved in both the industry itself and also by audiences. Um, Katrina is an exceptional performer uh, and a really good head on her shoulders. As you'll hear from the conversation, she's a really great insight into the nature of the business and the nature of the work we do and kind of why it... Um, kind of why it matters, really. Um, but look, you don't need me to tell you about her opinions. Let's go and get them directly from the source. Here she is, the brilliant Katrina Ennis. The wonderful Katrina Ennis joining me on the podcast. How the hell are you, my friend? I'm very good. How are you, friend? I'm bleeding deadly because we have the lovely sunny weather that yes. both of us clearly hate. Yes. It's killing us slowly. Slowly. My pale skin is dying. But that's okay. But it's okay. We'll Factor 50 this. is my friend. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, let us go back to the very beginning, okay? Because that's a very good place to start, as the old song goes. Yes. When did the idea of a career and indeed life in theatre strike you? Well, I suppose it started when I was ten. Okay. Yeah, I was little. I was always really into um, doing the school plays. When when I was in primary school, I remember I got the part of Pinocchio, and was delighted with life. I must have been maybe six or seven. Okay. And on the day of the show. I completely freaked out and wouldn't go on stage. Like properly refused? No, yeah, like I had a real panic attack and Jesus. my teacher gave out to me so much <laughs> that I stopped, I kind of stopped doing it. I, I didn't, I wouldn't speak up much or didn't want to do any of the shows. And when I was about 10, my dad said to me, mom and dad, we'll go down to the Swan Centre in Rat Mines. Okay. And I was like, we're going to Rat Mines? To the Swan Centre? Oh, brilliant, cool. I must have done, done something right. Yeah. And um, we pulled outside this school. My dad said to me, will you just come in here for a minute with me? I will like never hit. forget it. It was, it was like full blown mafia. And uh, I walked down this hill in the, the school in Rackard, junior high school. And I seen this beautiful lady come towards, out the door, said to my dad, is this Katrina? He said, yes. She said, run. And I went, no, 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 no. She pulls me into a class. It was around Christmas time. They were practicing for their Christmas play. And she was like, okay, so you're in drama class here now. And come on, take part in it. And that was it. I never looked back. I was uh, Hilary Cahill, my drama teacher, who I spent my happiest years with. And just everything changed then for me. I have a very difficult situation on my hands here because yeah. there's no way that Hillary's going to listen to this. Yeah. And I think this is probably as appropriate a moment as ever to confess yeah. my undying love for Hillary Cahill, who also <laughs> taught me when I was a teenager, who is the most beautiful and wonderful woman in the world. I know. She really is. She offered me completely my sanctuary, my happiness, my friendship, my weekends out, my McDonald's trips. And then, you know, coming into fifth and sixth year, she was a real rock for me because I, I was so happy doing it and I'd spent years in theatres with her. I got experience, I, you know, I knew I loved the theatre because I was, I was so part of it, standing on stage, you know, getting to perform these brilliant pieces and then also working with her side of stage or costumes and you got to do everything. So when I came to fifth year, I started to really think, I think this is what I want to do, okay. but all, but not know 
how to approach it or could I do it and she was a real rock for me to to talk through courses she sat with me and filled out my CAO form but it's also that thing of just you know is this feasible as exactly. a profession like, like, is big. it possible to make a living at this kind of thing absolutely and that was major for me and I had my eyes kind of set on the Samuel Beckett course yes, and the indeed. year <laughs> it was gone so that was my sixth year I knew I, I couldn't apply for that and she she'd gone to UCD mm-hmm. Hillary and told me all about Dramsock and offered I suppose because I was worried that would I be able to make a career out of yeah. it that I could do a degree and try to figure out in the meantime could I do it get my hands on enough workshops and and then I went joined Dramsock and everything right, we're going to talk Dramsock then because you were knocking around for what seems to have been the last batch of a really great golden generation yeah. how special a time was it oh it was unbelievable it was because I had gone from listening for so many years to Hillary yeah. about all her stories and all her greatest pals that I knew growing up yeah. were from Dramsock. So then when I went in, the first year at UCD I found quite tough because it was so big, it was so far from home for me. So the first year I struggled to get involved. And what were you studying? I was studying English and drama. English and drama, okay, yeah. so yeah. So you weren't doing a sensible degree on the side? No. No, Good. <laughs> no, no. I'm glad. And I went with a couple of my pals from school and. It, it was brilliant that we all had each other, but it was hard to break the routine of, you'd meet at the arts block, your friends from school, go out with them. And yeah. and UC was so big to me that it took me the first year to figure out, one, where the classes were. Just like, finding the genuinely, buildings. And the 17 bus was my living hell for a year trying to get on that. But um, then it, the start of second year, I kind of made a promise to myself to really try and get involved more in Dramsock. And I'd been to the shows and I'd done a couple of bits and pieces here and there in first year. But second year, I really, really got involved. And I was doing a, a performance class with Paul Fox. Okay. Otherwise known as Sean Fox as well. Yes, yes indeed. <laughs> um, I think most of his aliases are for legal reasons though, rather than anything yes, else. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but uh, we were in a class and he came up to me and said, well, you're really good. Why aren't you in Dramsock? I said, oh, yeah. And I went down with him that afternoon. He like, took me for a fry. Excellent. <laughs> and we went down to Dramsock. And just became like some of my most happiest moments. It just felt like the next little place for me where I belonged. Yeah. And like that, it helped me find who I was, my own voice, my friends. You were in this tiny little box that to maybe the ordinary eye just seems like this little scrap of a room painted black, but the amount of love, time and energy spent on that floor and learning and that building taught me kindness. You know, I think we were all at different times because we go through life pulling each other up and supporting each other. And then at times looking around going, I want to do this. Yeah. Do you want to do this? You know, you, we built sets. We locked ourselves in the building. You know, you run in and somebody says, there's no to to do the tech tonight. And you go, I'll do it. Yep. So suddenly you're, you know how to work tech. Or, you know, I, I, ha- I was hammering things and paint and stuff and wallpapering. And so it became so much more to me than, than just acting and I think that's where I learned yeah. about the world of theatre and how much I loved 
all of it. Yeah. And then I uh, I want I ran to run Dramstock for a year. See, so this is what it, this intrigues me because obviously when we were in in, in the old course in Trinity before. It, Clearly yeah. died. Um, we weren't allowed to do anything with players yeah. ever. So, so the whole kind of the whole mystique around those kind of student yeah. I find really intriguing. But to go, like to go in as auditor is like it's the biggest deal of I all. Know. Like you were the boss. After I, I did my because our degree was practical, uh, not practical, theory? Acad- yeah, theory. Um, we were allowed. We were encouraged to practice. Yeah. And I have to say. There was, uh, you know, Anthony Roach and Eamon Jordan and UCD were my lectures and Kathy Leaney and they were so supportive. Mm. They'd come to all our shows or you'd go to them if you were directing a show. What does this mean? So that was brilliant. And they, they encouraged us to practice yeah. because we were doing so much theory, I suppose. But yeah, after my third year, after I got my degree, I decided to take a year out and run for auditor, which I never thought I'd guess. Do they have to vote you in? Yeah, you have oh, to run. Wow. You have to take a year out. Really? Yeah. yeah. That's the real deal, then. Yeah, it is the real deal. It was fun. I remember the night I got it. I left home. I left UCD. Went straight home and bawled my eyes out <laughs> to my mum. Like, why? What have I done? What yeah. have I? But it was. Oh, it was honestly, it's the best year of my life. It really was the best year of my life. It was hard work. Yeah, like how full on is it? I mean, if we're talking about like, you know, you need to take a year out for it, that's, you're talking yeah, about serious because commitment. Yeah, because Dramsock puts on two shows a week. So you have a matinee and an evening show, which is different. Jesus Christ. You have a committee. You, you have to make a certain amount of money. You yeah. have to cover yourselves. You have to take part. Like we do a huge Leaving Cert um, Shakespeare show, mm-hmm. which is in the college's name. Yeah. So it, it is a massive undertaking, but I absolutely loved every second of it. See, because what I love about Dramsock particularly yeah. is you hear people talk about, and it is that thing of uh, you start to pick up the tech end of things, you start yeah. painting sets, you're designing costumes, you're directing a show, you're acting in something at the last minute, yeah. all that kind of stuff. But I've never heard someone say, and so I also got experience of like running a venue, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Like that's an amazing thing to be walking out of college with, basically. Yeah, and I mean, I just, it was it, it was barmy and un, un, unbelievable at the same time, yeah. you know, to, to honestly what it felt like you had this little theatre space yeah. that was yours and a responsibility to it and a responsibility to everybody who actually the theatre belonged to them. Yeah. And it really taught me about, you know, it makes me think about audiences. Sometimes when I'm thinking about, you know, doing shows about our audience, it reminds me of how I started to think because of auditor, yeah. of that it, it suddenly became this uh, this thing that you just want to give, 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 give. And it, because I struggled in first year with UCD, I wanted to become auditor because I thought Dramasock was the place, had the power to feel, to, to let people feel included. And that doesn't mean that you want to act or you want to direct or you want to be in theater, but maybe you just want to go. Mm to that theatre show and want to feel that or want to laugh at that moment or want to come into the parties and talk to people and so it became so much about that for me and our year I think and then actually the work got stronger because of it yeah. I think it was it was a balance of thinking so much within the work but also trying to think outside the work and what was our responsibility 
to, sh- to show our little world in UCD yeah. that this is for everybody. This isn't just in a basement for a small amount of people who are really into theatre. This is for everybody. Were there moments or shows or experiences or life lessons from that time, either from the time generally uh, or from specifically the time as auditor that really stand out for you or that you feel continue to have an influence in how you make work today? Yeah, definitely auditor started to push because I felt a responsibility to the society, I started to look outside of UCD and to directors yeah. and practitioners who could come in to us and help us. And my year, Fiona Shaw came in to us. Just wrote, drop that name yeah, there for a second. Like who, and, and spent the most glorious day with us, teaching us how to be flamingos and Perfect. talking to us and talking real in the, in the terms of this is hard and you know, re- gorgeous lady. She was so good to us. Rosaline Linehan came in to us. Wow. Yeah, she was... Because she had been part of Dramstock as well. Uh, you know, before my year, John Hurt had come in. and But Auditor made me really think of, let's try and do more workshops. And that, for me, was massive. Because it's... Or, or, or um, theatre trips we started to mm. do as groups. And that really opened my eye to, I suppose the industry itself. It was really a turning point of me thinking, if I wanted to be involved in this, what style of theatre do I like? What what should I be, you know, reading into more or researching? Mm. Or who should I be talking to? Or what workshops should I be going to? And then really realising how good our industry is. How many people, straight away, you send an email. Yeah, of course, I'll come in. So I, I think... I learned so much yeah. that year about our industry, and um, a standout show for me was we didn't we done um, Whistle in the Dark. Yes. Who else was in Whistle in the Dark with you? Everybody. Uh, everybody. Um, Stephen Murray, uh, Stephen Murray, Ben Waddell, Stephen Jones at one point was in it. Ian Toner in there too, Ian maybe. Ian Toner was absolutely in there. He was brilliant in it. Paul Fox. Of course. Paul Fox is in there. And O'Reilly. Um, Jimmy. Jimmy. Yeah, there's a gang wow. of us. But that was a standout moment for me. I fell in love with Tom Murphy Yeah. in my first year. And I can't tell you how much joy it was to perform that piece with, with a group of us that all knew we really wanted to do it. And yeah. maybe we're hemming and hawing. And honestly, I remember we went down to ISDA and played in Galway. And I remember standing on that stage in the bow and looking around at the lads and all of us feeling, well, let's go. That's let's so just jump. Deadly. You know, because it, it forced us, like, I mean, we fought so much doing that play. And we were all good pals, but we really pushed each other and wanted to do it for Tom Murphy and take it. And, yeah, so that was, anyway, that was a brilliant experience for me. And, and really the moment that I went, okay, I'm definitely going to try to do this. One of the judges that is, it was Derv Lacrohi. Okay. And she was just so kind to me. She spoke to me after the show and I said, do you think I could do it? Do you think? And she said, absolutely. And really, again, somebody who spoke to me with uh, so much giving time, energy, kindness, instilled me with a confidence while also you know being completely truthful sure 
but uh, yeah that was a big Betty I think there's something in it though that you talk about kind of instantly feeling at home with Hillary or instantly feeling at home uh, at Dramsock yeah. and then like that Dervla. I think there's is there something in the kind of the, the tribe of theatre people that yeah. we recognise one another yeah. and that I think like I, I always say like when young people young Jesus I sound ancient but you know what I mean when young yeah. people come along and new graduates from the gate or the Lear or whatever you can smell it from them a mile away like you know who's the real deal yeah. like because they're one of us yeah. and like I just think that feel of being part of the gang being part of the tribe identifying and acknowledging kind of people like us yeah. basically I think that's part of it isn't it yeah and I think you understand like even now I'd you know sometimes get messages and straight away I'm like absolutely I'll meet you anywhere anytime because you understand the complex worries that maybe the rest of the world puts on you when you go yeah. I really really want to act or I really want to be a filmmaker or really want to go into theatre and I understand that for you know for a large part of society maybe they think oh how can you ever make a living out of that? Yeah. Or, and, and, and the bigger thing for me is when I look at people is that is the worry and that's the worry of life. But actually for me, it's something I needed to do. Yeah. It's my happy place. It's yeah. my sanctuary. It's my, where I'm most myself mm -hmm. in, in odd ways, where I'm most free. And I think that's what you spot in other people that you can yeah. understand. I understand what that deep rooted feeling is in you and, and and what that means and it's so much you know beyond this idea of oh do you want to be famous or do you want to be <laughs> yeah. it's it's that it's that thing of like i can do nothing else yeah in the manner of i am my spirit or if, if there's such a thing as a soul my soul is set free when yeah I, do. I think you know when we say I, I can't, I, I couldn't do anything else. It's not that you couldn't do anything else, it's that yeah. you can't not do this, yes, basically. Yes, exactly. And, and through my own little journey as well, I, I've found ways of, that you can do it. You know, I, I teach drama mm -hmm. now with Hillary as well, which is absolutely me doing it. Yeah. It's giving back, or you see a little little one who's nervous going on the stage or is having trouble who's at been school. kidnapped by the parents and thrown yes, into the class exactly <laughs> I see them come in and I'm like I know exactly what you're feeling but you know even in, in a smaller scale you, you hear them come off and say I said my line yeah. and you go yes you've conquered something you've, you feel good about yourself you feel confident so it's lovely to to work on that side of things as well and see that element that I do think drama is a gift for all yeah. be it whatever end you want to go into it and then you know of my own company as well so it's 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 a gift i suppose to also get to sit down and watch you know katrina daly who's my dear friend writing plays and that's how her soul and watch how it manifests differently for for all of us i suppose yeah. whatever avenue you take and I suppose that's another thing that Dramsock gave me that there are so many different elements that you can get involved in. Yeah. You can't, particularly the industry at the moment is on the Irish industry, particularly, I think, for supporting new work or for people who want to say, okay, I'd like to write now a little bit or I'd like to dip into directing. Or, yeah. And I think that stands to what you were saying there that we're so quick to, to jump on board for each other and say, yeah, yeah absolutely. 
go do it. Yeah. It's a great and way to, to be. It's, it's brilliant to be part of it as well because I always think then in one way nobody can take it away from you because you can always, always do it. You know, we'd be always bashing out scripts or doing readings with each other. In some ways, that's where our drama shop days have never left us. Yeah. Go over to somebody's house and start here where we do some... We do a couple of scenes. You're like, okay, yeah. yeah. Just an idea of like, why not? Which I think is great. Yeah. Talk to me then. So as the year as auditor wraps up, yeah. what happens next? Yeah, so I applied for an Ad Astra performance scholarship with UCD. Right. Um, so that was under director Kelly Hughes, and I got it. Now, you'll have to explain to what that is. Yeah. There. So that meant that I could do my master's. Okay. But work practically with Kelly for a year. So I went down to the Roy Hart training school. Did you indeed? Yeah, with Blue Raincoat. Uh, We did a lot of physical work with Kelly. So I was practically at it. Yeah. Which was important for me. And I was also taken away at my master's. Sure. And I also ran ISDA that year. (laughs) I know. I know, I know. I I swore, I was like, no, 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 I'm not going to do it. But I I did do it. And so that was in UCD. So those three things kind of collided for me with Louise Lowe. Yes, this is going to get very interesting because I've told you a million times, um, the most electric moment I have ever had in a theatre in my entire life of going to the theatre was that moment in Foley Street where you took my hand before leaving the apartment. I've never had a moment like it before or since. It Mm. was incredible. Talk to me about coming on board with Louise and Anu and where that all started from. So when I was, I had gotten really interested in her work. The year I was auditor, we went to see Laundry. And I just, I just adored it so much. So I was thinking about it and I was, trying to figure out what I wanted to do my thesis on, or we had a performance uh, practical test that I wanted to kind of interrogate Louise's style of work. So I basically went to every talk she gave that year, (laughs) and then she came into UCD to our master's class, and it was just amazing getting to, you know, really chat to her and, I mean, she's an amazing woman. She's unbelievable. And she's so inspiring mm. um, to listen to how she talks about theatre and about her work. And after the um, class, I thought, wouldn't she be an amazing judge for ISDA? Okay. And because I was running ISDA, I had my ISDA hat on as well. So I got in touch with her and she kindly said yes. Um, so... It started pretty much from there. I'd done um, a couple of shows in Insta and had a chat to her after them. And just, I just had such an honest, just such an honest uh, conversation, I suppose, about where I was at because suddenly I started, by the end of that year, I was bombarded. I suddenly was trying to run Insta, trying to write my thesis, trying to get, see everything, know everything, read everything. I was so busy that suddenly my head was just too full. I couldn't see, I couldn't see the, I couldn't see anything. I couldn't see how would I ever do it or how, while trying to do it all the time. And I just had a chat with her and she was really kind to me, really good to me and was like, just calm down. And I said to her, I know you're doing a show in the festival. I'd love to pop in 
if I could at any point just to watch or learn mm. and that's where it started and then Boys of Foley Street and what was oh, so dear to me I can't even I'm, I will get emotional <laughs> um, it was unbelievable it was I, a remarkable production I was f- writing my thesis during Boys of Foley Street like honestly like I can't express to you I used to go home I used to tell everybody and it's the truth and Louise will tell you this I felt like that flat was the first time I had ever lived out of home well it I guess went, the amount of time you yeah, just spent the there the amount of time I spent there then I'd go home and just be so electric that this I was doing this piece of work that I used to come back and be like I just don't want to leave I was on cloud nine and also, it was extremely challenging. Well, it was tough, it was ex- heavy stuff. Yeah, it was really heavy stuff. The rehearsals, like every point of that was so meticulously investigated. And it really taught me the importance, again, of how theatre is about life and about people. And what I went in there probably at first being like, okay, try and work really hard and this is a good opportunity for you became actually about I was playing a child and I was looking at kids around me living those lives which became so important to me and because of the nature of the work and because Louise knows the area so well we were able to go out and they knew what was going on they were coming into rehearsals and I made great pals who taught me how to play that part Mm. who I honestly owe all that performance to them and to their little hearts and to their spirits and they used to run around to me, but you know, they'd say to me, you're not, I was what, 23? You're not 23, you're in our uniform. You're not, I said, I am, I am. Okay, if you're 23, how did you do this? How did you do that? So we, they came to this funny thing where they'd run into me in the mornings before they went to school to see me in my normal clothes and go, oh yeah, you are, you are. <laughs> go, okay, and then one of the girls said to me, uh, I'd love to, do something like you one day and I said you can she said I don't want to act I said okay I want to do hair for theatres I said okay come and do my hair every morning so she used to she was a neighbour she's coming do clip a thing in my hair at the end of the day after school she'd come over what have you done to your hair you're in absolute state (laughs) they used to run up then at certain (laughs) points being like can we say your lines I'm like okay fine So, (laughs) so you know being around the community for that role particularly, I mean, it was, it was remarkable. It yeah. was really remarkable. And then the cast and Louise and Owen and Una, Una Kavanagh, yeah. Dee Burke, you're working with these amazing people who I honestly just watched. I yeah. just watched them. They're just so, so remarkable, so strong. So, um, so it's giving, it's, you know, I'm searching for other words, but they were so giving to me because they knew that style so well. And it was hard, it was hard to try and, you know, figure out how the the clocks work and the times work. And I'd never done anything like that before. So I didn't, you know, know what to expect. It's it's kind of, it's a weird mashup of, because the work is so up close and personal and so kind of naturalistic in a lot of ways, 
that you have to be right in it. But by yeah. the same time, you're talking about the clocks and stuff that you know that you're on a, a seven-minute oh, yeah. timer. That if you oh, if you overstay your welcome by like thirty seconds, the, the knock-on implications for the rest of the show in all the other locations yeah. and stuff is a real thing. It's a real thing. So the combination of the kind of technical awareness of where you need to be and hitting beats and all that kind of stuff yeah. within being fully emotionally invested for someone who's like 18 inches away from you watching the performance mm-hmm. that's not an easy gig it, and it's it's meticulous because you you come to see the shows I think and you think um, it's all improv or <laughs> it's all it absolutely isn't there isn't an inch of yeah. its life that isn't completely you know has been worked on for hours timed every little beat of it but there's something about the body and I think Louise's work you know really and the rehearsals definitely focus so much on that that your body just becomes part of that clock you'd almost hear it and then the life around you I knew by the ice cream van what time it was in the day (laughs) I used to turn around to the audience and ask them for money to go get ice cream the amount of times I (laughs) My, one of my favourite stories is um, this lady who gave me money, so I ran out and got us all ice creams, ran in, gave Brilliant. her the ice cream, and watched the entire section of the flat scene with the ice cream dripping down her hand. Wow. <laughs> so there, the aliveness of that theatre style, particularly depending on whatever audience member you get and how they react, mm. keeps it fresh for you, keeps, keeps you ticking over. And then... You work so hard as an ensemble to absolutely be in, in check with each other. There's times, you know, planted secretly all around the place. You have your clock, which you spent hours and days and weeks <laughs> figuring out. And then we all had little Casios, which I still have my Very Casio. Nice. Loads of us, uh, Lloyd and Eric, have their Casios. I know that travels through as we kept doing shows with a new through. And uh, yeah, so you just, it becomes second nature. It's tough though, it is, it is tough it's work. It's grueling work. Yeah. Um, but is there something in... There's a massive emotional um, payoff, I do think though, because audience members are so giving. And on the, on the times that you're tired, mm. or when it's becoming taxing, it's amazing to watch because you're so close to people. They're meant, like what you sent me, you hold in my hand. Whatever you, that's what I think those connections were because whatever you might have got from it, I probably also got because okay. sometimes I was squeezing people's hands going, yeah, keep me going, Yeah. you know? And you, yeah. It's amazing. It's electric. I, it really it's is, isn't it? Because you just feel, like sometimes to this day, I'd be on the bus and I'm like, how do I know that person? I've had moments, I had a moment a couple of weeks ago standing on Dame Street where somebody came up to me saying, were you that girl from Foley Street? Amazing. I just was like, oh my. And I know, I can see people, I get flashes of, I can see when I was with you. I can, it's wow. one of the most standout moments where I can really see the performance, I can see the people. So it's connection, isn't it? Human yeah. connection. And that's what we're always looking for on stage, really, isn't and it? And I think it is always there. I really, because yeah. that was so intense from my first experience. You know? <laughs> it's a hell of a way <laughs> Like to start. it was so intense. <laughs> and really, as I went on, that's the biggest. It is. Everything I do really. It dep- doesn't matter the size of the house, whether it's. Yeah. It is that connection. It's that. It's that what we're striving for. Like, so for, like, you'll be on stage at our National Theatre tonight, 500 yeah. people in the audience. That, it's still that same connection we're looking for. Absolutely. Absolutely, and you can feel it. 
Yeah. You know, I think like Ulysses, because there's so much um, comedy and play and theatrical styles and puppetry and to watch and feel your audience change in the style with you. And then there's there's a gorgeous moment where, I won't give anything away, but where um, Molly and Bloom have a little dance. To what? To feel everybody's heart change. And the chemistry or electricity or whatever is in the air change. You go, oh, this is theatre. Yeah. There's an aliveness. There's, uh, for me, I think, total conversation with whoever is in the audience that day with whoever we're feeling whatever is going on in the world every time I think everything slightly comes into it and also stops mm. it's like I love I, I love walking into theatres so much and I have done since I was little and I think that's the big thing I think when I was young walking into the theatre for the first time we did a show in Rupert Guinness Theatre with Hillary yeah. and I remember and I just love it here something about crossing over the door that you have everything still within you it's still your own little world but something there is also some... stops or or it's just held yeah there is a thing i think it, there is that thing if you take it back like through the thousands of years for how long theater has been around that and even kind of pre-formal theater when it's yeah. like storytelling the shanaki the shaman whatever that there is an idea of them as kind of delineated sacred spaces yeah and i think that's not overly kind of arty wanky to say i think there is something special about it that because we because because it's not only for me when i'm up on stage doing it, when i'm in yeah. the audience there are moments of magic created for me I'm that saying, are kind of transformative as well absolutely like i went to see um swan lake yeah. when it was on the abbey and i can't i can't express what it what happened to me in the theater and I, I came out in a little, I was outside in the bar area and a little feather fell and I was like, what is, what? this is magic. Like <laughs> it is crazy and I know it's crazy, but I was like, this is absolute magic. And that was for me on that day, in that moment, in that theater, on that chair, I was on my own mm. looking at that and that, and I had a connection with it. And I just, I do think, I do think it is a, a sacred wild yeah crazy space where everybody just goes fuck, fuck it, it. <laughs> fuck it yeah, rip throw it all throw yeah. it all to the wind here we go strap up buckle in yeah doesn't matter if you like it if you hate it everything you feel something yeah whatever that is in terms of creating that connection with an audience is the first port of call to have that connection on stage then with the with whoever's up there with you is that yeah. how you generate it maybe yeah i think so i think for me it's i always use the analogy of football because i'm so sporty and yes indeed you know this about this me is, this is the, it's the first thing that springs to mind i'm discuss. never out of my uh trainers am i <laughs> <laughs> no i i always think passing the ball isn't it you know when you see great football not that i know much about it but or any sports rugby yeah. or tennis not tennis that's the opposite of what i'm trying to say okay. but if you have that dialogue with the people on stage or in your team you pass the ball mm. and you see that ball travel somebody scores the whole place goes mental for me that's kind of what shooting those connections out to your audiences mm. is because if you have them i think yeah. if you have it on stage with your players 
that's is that where the first if we're talking about electricity yeah. is that where it first kicks off yeah, and maybe. also they're your eyes you know you stand yeah, opposite yeah, yeah. somebody and look into their eyes and they give you yeah. all that you're looking for or trying to to search particularly in I suppose ensemble driven shows well that I mean that's the interesting one for me so like for tonight big ensemble big in, ensemble uh, in Ulysses how does that you know versus you doing the two-hander with the intoner the beginning yeah. play yeah like so is it the same I guess it's still the same brief but does it alter when we start getting into bigger ensemble shows is there more more ingredients in the pot maybe yeah well with Ulysses there's so many ingredients yeah. in the pot there's so much and you know what I suppose is not even thinking about it it's the things you don't see I suppose on stage as well that create because we mind each other so much backstage yeah be it even I have a minute where I have a fan in my hand, so I run around fanning the boys. And and the, I <laughs> sweating, especially in this heat. <laughs> Absolute buckets. Or um, you know, helping somebody put their trousers on them. Mm. Suddenly you're like, oh we have to be there maybe the moments that make what you're doing on stage even stronger. Yeah. Maybe the things that you don't see because you become a little family, I think, in You do. You because it's hard work as well. Theatre yeah. is so hard that, you, you know, you ha you're minding each other, I think. Mm. Or I think you might be onto something with the stuff that we don't see on stage, because I'll often find, either as an actor in rehearsal room, or even now, more recently, as a director in rehearsal room, I, like, a note I'll often give as a director is going, I want you to do it this way. I know it's wrong. Yeah. It's never going to be in the show, but please just do it for me once so I can see how wrong it is. Yeah. And invariably, it's dreadful, and no one should ever act that way. <laughs> but it is that thing of it's kind of in, like, like carving the statue out of marble. It's you're taking away all the bits that you don't need, to, yeah. and what's left behind is what you do need. Yeah. And I think there is that thing of, because the audience don't see what happened in the rehearsal; they only get what we present to them on the night. Yeah. And I think sometimes it is, it is through going through that bonding as a family for a cast, yeah. or trying out all the other permutations and variations of what possible life this show or this moment could have yeah. that it's in kind of exhausting all of those that we're left with the, the little gold I'm, I'm mixing a lot of metaphors here you know, yeah. like prospecting for gold in the river that you're left as the sediment goes away it's yeah. those little nuggets of gold that are left behind yeah, and that makes sense yeah absolutely because I suppose you could, that's it because you spend weeks rehearsing it's funny actually just thinking about it now it's, you spend those weeks rehearsing to put this show out, out for people but actually what you do spend the time as a group is absolutely searching for the gold and taking out the rubble or taking mm. and also I think creating the safe space for each other because you're allowed to fail in yep. front of your peers or because you're able to go am I well, am I on the wrong track here or am I okay or and even the readers have followed that wrong track for a couple of days Absolutely. and have a director not go, no shit, like let you find totally. it for a days. And even like, you know, in, in Ulysses, like, it's another, it's mad things that you don't see. I mean, Graham McLaren used to let us, we used to have a disco. <laughs> so we've had like real cool, you know, suddenly you'd be in the throes of like, what are we doing? What is this section? And then you'd be like, okay, let's, come on, let's have a dance. And even that where you just go mad with these people in this room yeah. and go, okay. But that's only for our eyes and for everybody now listening to this podcast. Excellent. You've but given the game up on everybody. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I was here for. Um, <laughs> Single-handedly ruining Irish theatre. <laughs> I love it. Oh, God. Brilliant. <laughs> Talk to me for a minute about 
what it means to you to have your own company and what that does in terms of, I guess, agency within the yeah. career and having a bit of control over it rather than just waiting for the phone to ring. Yeah, means a lot to me, it really does. It means a lot to me in the, um, because I, I, I like making work and I suppose as, as I've gone on, I like, I think we have a, a gift and a responsibility to the world wanky as that might sound yeah, but okay. I do yeah. in what we do and I that's where for me making my own work is important if there's things that that's maybe that's because how I deal with the world yeah. if there's something that I see going on that I want to try and get involved in or to help or to aid or to strike a conversation about or to make people laugh that's how I do it that's yeah. that's I suppose my output into the world and also it's what gives me um hope in a weird way yeah. in a really weird way it's 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 my hope and also as a side note then within my own business and yes it's it gives you so much agency to know I can make my own work and and there's and again, it's the same that there's so many people around to support in places like Theatre Upstairs, Smock Alley, the new theatre, the, the project. So, you know, that you can go in and say, let's give this a go. And it doesn't have to work the first time around or, or we can nearly get there and we can go again. And, and my own work is with Katrina Daly and, and Alan Carrick. We set up our company. Um, like again was has offered me so much within my own life like testo me mm. that we done was massive we spent four years of our lives really working on that together and you know somewhat bleeding over it and leaving it and coming back to it and leaving it and talking to people and then also to find a, a space and time in the right time that we were both brave enough to go will we do it yeah that was a massive lesson. That was massive. And to have spent four years. Yeah, no pressure, that's the issue. Yeah, but to wrestling with it and no. trying to figure out what, what was right and when it was right, that was such a mountain for us to climb, personally. And it was hard work. It was a lot of hard work. It was, the show was hard. It dealt with a lot of hard issues, I suppose. And also, be, and it's true when you're doing your own work during the day, you know, when I was rehearsing in the evening at times, I was picking up pieces of wood for the set to be built, carrying them upstairs. And then I had Louise Lowe by my side. You know, for, for her to come in on board with that, with us, and to really be, she was like the rock, the hard hand on our each the two of our backs just going keep going yeah you know whenever you'd feel like i'm falling back or i could dip just to have that little hand going no yeah it's okay keep going and yeah it turned out to be you know a glorious uh experience hard really hard but i was delighted we did it and now we're you know ticking away trying to figure out Arts Council funding <laughs> applications and, yeah, you know, every, back. like, little bit you get a bit, okay, we'll try the bigger, you yeah. know. 
and in the same breath then we're starting to talk to younger you know kids coming out of college who want to set up their companies we're going okay if you start like this and in the same breath we're looking to older companies going how do you fill out these applications what do you do and so it's also part of the community again I remember I was doing a show over in Manchester and talking about all the things that you know it's see at home all the companies your own company doing all these things and them being so stunned we we don't have that really here we don't and they have like such a a roaring you know machine of of theatre over there but like it, I was never so proud. I remember I came back one night for the uh, Irish Times Awards and looking around the room, so proud. When I talk about our industry, I think, oh my God, the lifeblood pulsing that is in this lion's heart yeah. is unbelievable. It's, and, it's, and really have people say to us, I, wow, that's amazing. And since then, a lot of the girls from the show have come over and see things, come over to the smaller spaces and the bigger spaces and going, it's just unbelievable. Your community is unbelievable here. It is kind of special. And like, so I was over in New York a couple of weeks ago, and you know, you're seeing all this work on Broadway, and you go in your head, it's like, oh, it's the shiny Broadway. That's the pinnacle. That's what we're going. I'm watching. Yeah. I'm going. Any of our best stand up to any of their best yeah. always. Like you know, I know there's that that old cliche of us kind of punching above our weight in terms of you know the talent from here, but it's it's true. Absolutely. It's only because it's true. Absolutely, and it's and it's built on blood sweat and tears it's built on so much hard work you know i even i'm looking at you know so many younger companies or younger actors coming out of college i'm going my god the amount of work that from the get-go people just fuel into into our industry and what and because we love it and because it's worth it and because there is there is i think that you know that talent there and is it is it our in our blood? Is is it in our is are we a, a nation of storytellers and feelers and messers and <laughs> up for the crack and you know? Yeah, I think it might be that simple. And and I think we're a, a, a people that like to connect, and that's maybe essentially you know. And I and I really think about the Irish industry. It's a we. I think we all have. A real good attitude of you can do it and that's where I owe so much to, to so many people constantly saying you can do it set up your own company you can write I'll help you I'll come in and do a reading for you you can go and do this you see it all the time we are an industry I think of warriors yeah of theatrical warriors, theatrical warriors. Going, you, you can do this there's so many ways there's so m- that's the thing i'd say to anybody starting off there's so many people at the other end of a phone of a facebook mail anything that at the drop of the hat will go yeah i'll be there i'll talk to you i'll chat you through because we all understand mm. and you're in- and if i ever won loads of money after going on a long holiday <laughs> I always think the only thing maybe we don't have is a giant building that we get to go into every day and you can go on your days that you're struggling. Because, mm. uh, you know, I have those days definitely where I go, am I, what am I doing? What's happening? Or that you don't get to turn around and go, do you want to go for lunch for half an hour? And we'll talk about it. 
and it's all fine but actually we do and an industry that maybe in some ways I think you can feel like you're working alone we're yeah. absolutely not and that's the biggest message I think we have for you know t- to keep reminding each other that we're all there and at any moment and I think you can really feel that over the last couple of years there's so many people there to go oh I'll help you up or I'll, I'll back that or I'll support it or I'll go and see your shows or I'll go and yes I'll put it you know I'll do yeah so I think it's fantastic. Look, it is wonderful to be part of that community. It is wonderful to have you as part of that community. I hope we continue to have you as part of the community for many decades (laughs) to come. Because I want to keep looking at your shows because I think you're deadly. Katrina Ennis, thank Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. That was amazing. Thank you. So there you have it. The great Katrina Ennis. So wonderful to catch up with her and hang out and spend the time. And, you know, just a really great take on the nature of what we do and why we do it and and why it matters. Uh, Just a lovely chat all around. And, you know, Katrina is, like I said, she's a really special performer. I will never forget that moment in uh, in Boys of Foley Street when she took my hand as we were leaving this, uh, this apartment, this flat. And in the aftermath of what had been a really traumatic and harrowing scene with what I presumed at the time, because I didn't know her, I'd never met her before. She was relatively fresh out of uh, out of dram sock, as you heard. I thought this was a legit schoolgirl. I thought this was an actual 12-year-old taking my hand saying, please don't leave me. And it was electric, genuinely the most electric moment I have ever had in a theatre, or indeed a flat in the north inner city. Um, And just that connection with her at that stage was phenomenal. I guess that's the connection we're always trying to achieve with audiences broadly, Um, but it was something magical uh she keeps creating these magical moments on stage too she's really quite wonderful delighted to get the chat with her so look that brings us to our usual weekly roundup of theatrical goings on around the country at the abbey theater starring none other than katrina ennis it's ulysses up the road at the gate they have the snapper at the gaiety theater it is the kind of annual summer production of riverdance uh the board gosh energy theater it's this is elvis and that's followed by hairspray then at the lear academy it's a double bill uh of Demons and No One Sees the Video by Martin Crimp. This is part of Gradfest where they have four separate shows and these are the the second grouping of two, if you like, with the graduating class there and also the graduating MFA folk in directing and design and whatever else. I saw the previous two last week and they were spectacularly good. So really looking forward to getting in next week to catch both Demons and No One Sees the Video. Uh, you really should go and check them out. The work coming out of the Lear is really of staggering quality. There's no other way to call it. Um, Make it your business to go and try and check out those shows. Then at the new theatre in Temple Bar, they have Punt and at Smock Alley Theatre, it is your last ever chance to catch the good father. Do please come and support the show. Um, You've been hearing the the chronicles and the trials and tribulations of this show from uh, last October, man. It's kind of wild. And we've, you know, we've really been enjoying doing it. We want to share this one last roll of the dice with you guys. Do please come out and support. We are at Smock from the 10th to the 16th that's a Tuesday through to a Monday obviously no show on the Sunday Um, and then that Monday evening will be a big special shiny show with uh, lots of announcements Um, then we go to the Viking in Clontarf it's Fred and Alice there at Bewley's in the lunchtime slot they have Sharon uh, for the last couple of performances and that's going to be followed by Joxer Daily Esquire at Project Arts Centre it's Jesse Jones' Tremble Tremble featuring of course the brilliant Alwyn Fuere Uh, heading south to the Everyman in Cork they have Killing Stella 
coming up and that is followed by The Lonesome West which Judy Catter herself is directing and that'll be starring Gus McDonough can't wait to get down and see that at the Theatre Royal over in Waterford they have the production of Blackbird coming up soon with Anto Brophy and the brilliant Maria Guyver at the Town Hall in Galway there's a whole heap of stuff going on they have The Fall they have Incantata uh, and also Port Authority and then up north to the Lyric in Belfast they have The Gruffalo's Child who's anyone here with kids will know all about that one and they also have Paperboy so look that is us that is episode 35 man wow 35 of 52 we are closing in on the end of this one too episode 35 in the books we will of course be back next week for another chat with one of Ireland's leading theatre makers but in the meantime this has been the Rise Productions Irish Theatre Podcast for Angus Og McAnally I'm Angus Og McAnally we'll see you next week (laughs) 